Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, this is Maury Moreland Morrison here to tell you Geico has more than just great savings. Much more. Geico has been around for more than 75 years, back when they were using Morse code. Sorry, that's just my sense of humor. What's more, with Geico, you get 24-7 access to licensed agents on the app, online, or over the phone, so you can talk to them at night or in the morning. So forevermore, just know that no other auto insurer has more more than Geico. More power to you. Geico. Expect great savings and a whole lot more.
All right, welcome back to the Heavy Metal Mayhem Radio Show. We kicked things off tonight with my good friend Steve Gaines, old band Abattoir. You know, Steve has anger his art going these days. As a matter of fact, I think they're doing something on air right now with another radio station, but don't turn into that after we're done here on our show. Then go check out my boy Steve. Uh, I love Abattoir. That was such a great record from back in the day, and they did get back together on and off. Uh, they had the From the Ashes demo tape in 2004, which was really good material. It didn't really have that old school vibe like, you know, this album did, uh, but nothing really came out of the band after that. You know, we spoke with Steve about it quite a few times, and he told the story on here, but if you can get a hold of that demo, I still have it. It's really good. And I really wasn't such a big fan of the next record, The Only Safe Place. Steve was out at that time. Mike Towers, or Mike Torres, as he's known, came into the group. I believe he was with Heretic right before that. Uh, but all these years later, I played a record now. I, you know, I do kind of dig it. I just guess because it wasn't the original Abattoir at the time, I was kind of turned off to it. All right, enough ranting and raving here about that nonsense, right? It's 2017, and I cannot believe the month of January is already over. You know, we say this every year as months go by that, you know, we're done with January, we're done with February, but this is it. We'll never get this day back again, so let's enjoy it. We have a great show for everybody tonight. John Peroni from Intruder will be calling in in about 20 minutes or so. I think you said Greg might be calling in with him also. We'll see. We'll get two for one tonight. And then in the second half of the show, I already spoke with Jack Russell. We're going to get that interview on, and I have to tell you, that guy does not disappoint. We've had some pretty crazy interviews over the years, and this is another one of them, and <laughs> we'll get that on, you know, around 7.15 or 7.30 in that area. So stick around. We've got a great show for everybody tonight. Let's get some more music on. I think we have some new creator to get to, a new Black Star Riders. Uh, we'll get to that in a little bit, but let's uh, do Trauma. I kill for less.
All right, Blessed Death with Into the Others off their first record, Kill or Be Killed. Uh, you know, Jeff Anderson, the guitar player from the band, passed away uh, last year. I believe it was in the fall, on September or October, and we kept hoping for a reunion with those guys, but I don't think most of them even talked to each other or haven't spoken to each other for a lot of years, and it wouldn't happen. But uh, I know we've tried a lot of festivals that I've talked to. They've tried to get them back together. It just didn't work out, and it'll probably never happen now, but... What a killer band, I have to say. And uh, we're talking about the Defenders of Old Festival in the chat room, and that's taking place in Brooklyn, New York. This is the fourth one, I believe, or maybe the fifth. Uh, they didn't have one last year. And uh, Nasty Savage is going to be headlining. It's really just Nasty Ronnie, I believe, from the original lineup. They're going to be headlining the Friday night show at the Music Hall in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Saturday night, Sirith Ungle is coming to town, the first time ever playing in New York. Uh, Frigid Bitch have reunited. Uh, that classic lineup is together. They're going to be on the bill. And there were a couple of bands announced so far. Night Demon is playing. Uh, quite a few other bands, but they haven't really given the whole full lineup yet. I guess He Wang wants to kind of spread it out to keep the momentum going. Uh, but I do believe the two-day passes that were discounted at $70 for the two days, uh, they're already gone. You have to pay the full price now, which is like 90 something dollars, I believe. Well worth it. I mean, I don't think I could be there for two days. It's killing me because I really want to see Nasty Savage. But one, you can't pay me enough money to get that BQE and that Gowanus Expressway. Two days in a row during rush hour. I mean, at least Friday night. Saturdays, no, not as bad, but I... <laughs> I can't do it. Last year, it was in Sunset Park, Brooklyn. It was a hop, skip, and a jump over the bridge uh, from Staten Island for me. But I, I can't spend nine hours in traffic to spend another nine hours at the show. So I will just be there Saturday night. It's going to be a great show and a lot more bands to be announced this week. Uh, a lot of classic bands and uh, definitely doing homage to uh, Chicago and Cleveland metal. You're going to have a lot of those old bands that have reunited for this or have some of the key members there. They're going to be playing at the festival. So keep track of the page. Buy the tickets. The last one sold out. So, I mean, once the rest of the lineup is announced, I can pretty much guarantee these tickets are going to be sold out also. So, check it out. Saturday night's going to be amazing, man. Tim Baker, Sarah Thungle, what a show. I can't wait for that. Right, we're going to get a, more, a little bit more music on uh, before John calls in. Uh, I have to tell you, you know, Trump has been president now for about two weeks. And I'm a little disappointed that he hasn't signed that executive order yet, forcing the Japanese to depixelate their porn, because I'm sick and tired of watching Japanese porn. You get these hot women, and you can't see nothing. Everything is pixelated. I feel like I'm back in my parents' living room in Brooklyn in the 70s watching Wilmeca Home Theater, and everything was scrambled and pixelated. He's got to sign that order. We've got to get the Japanese to remove this pixelation shit. It's killing me. We need to have non-pixelated Japanese porn. That's more important than keeping the refugees out of the country, the immigrants out of the country, the pipeline. We need pixel-free porn. So please, President Trump, sign that executive order this week. Let's get on top of that. How about a little bit of cities right now? I saw uh, Sal posted some old flies from back in the 80s. Cruel C.
Acid with The Day You Die. You know, I spoke to Kate D. Lambert, uh, the singer from Acid, right before Christmas. I've been trying for a long time to get her on the show. And, uh, you know, it's, she, she's still in music, and she's still pretty big where they come from in Belgium. But she does, like, standards and ballads today, you know, uh, and pop music. She doesn't really do anything heavy metal, even hard rock related anymore. She sent me a couple of songs that she sings on. Her voice is, I mean, you know, we're used to hearing her sing, you know, like, for Acid. But her voice is beautiful, and she does a really nice job on those tunes. But she doesn't want to really have anything to do with the past and talk about it. You know, so I said, okay, that sounds good to me. All right, John wants to hear new Overkill tonight. John, you're going to hear plenty of Overkill next week because Bobby Blitz is on the show next Sunday night. So we'll save the new Overkill for then, if you don't mind, buddy. And we'll get it on then for everyone. Uh, we got a couple of minutes left until we talk to John and maybe Greg from Intruder. We'll hang out a little bit. And we'll wait for them to call in. If anybody's interested, Quiet Ride did their first show with Sean Nichols singing. He was with Adler's Appetite, I believe, before hooking up with Quiet Ride. The band's had like eight lead singers. <laughs> I'm probably over-exaggerating it. In the last year and a half for two years. I mean, it's like nonstop. Uh, and, you know, you see people in the audience who go crazy, like when the band plays live. I mean, they're playing a lot of small venues unless they're on a festival. And I watch them like... You know, it's not even like remotely close to Quiet Riot. I mean, there's really nobody in the band. Chuck Wright likes to associate himself with the original Quiet Riot. Uh, he was in and out of the band so many times, and he played bass, I think, on one or two songs on on the album, uh, on the on the mental health record. But he really wasn't a part of the band that anybody remembers or cares about, and he's so fixated on that. If you ever watch a documentary, you'll you'll see that. But it's only Frankie, and it, you'll, it's just, well, you know, it's got Frankie, the original drummer. Frankie's not the original drummer either. Frankie came into the band years before when he was playing with Kevin Dubrow, with the, the bro band, but he wasn't part of the original Quiet Riot. He was you know, part of the mental health letter when they changed the name back from Dubro to Quiet Riot. So even he's not an original member. So it's kind of goofy watching them. And I love Frankie. Don't get me wrong. He's a great guy. He's been on the show, a, a real classy guy to talk to. I just love him. But, you know, it, it just doesn't ring my bell to anything for me. It's not Quiet Riot to me. You know, it's not that original Quiet Riot or even the mental health letter Quiet Riot. So I don't know. To each his own. You get a lot of young kids who want to see these bands live. So they kind of go out to these shows to see them, but it's not the real thing, in my opinion. But whatever Fortune Boat makes you happy, you know, go ahead and do it. It's the same thing, they're putting that Dio hologram back out again. I think for the Polestar Awards, they're going to do the show with the Dio hologram, or maybe one or two songs, not a whole show. But they're talking about going out on the road and doing a whole show. To me, Ronnie's dead. I, I miss his voice. I love them. But, you know, let it be. I mean, it's over and done with. People just don't know when to let things go. I mean, it's all about making a dollar today. I get that. But, I mean, you know, come on. Just let the guy rest in peace. We don't need to see his hologram up on a stage for an hour every night with the live band playing around them. Just just let it go. All right, let me see if I can do another song. We only got about a minute or two. Uh, so I don't know if I have anything I can get on that quickly. Unless I was having sex, you know, I could wrap that up in about two minutes. But this is music, so we'll have to see. Now I got nothing, so we'll just wait for the guys to call in. You know, I, I know I'm a metalhead. I'm a diehard metalhead. I've been a metalhead since 1977. I was the summer of 77, my neighbor, we went over to his house and his brothers were playing Kiss. And, you know, I got into Kiss. I was still nine years old. It was right before I turned 10. And I've been a metalhead since then. But a year later, the movie Grease came out. I saw it with Olivia Newton-John in there. That's my first hard-on and my first love. And I told my wife the other day, I said, Olivia Newton-John is playing in New Jersey on April 12th to 13th. We got to get tickets and go. <laughs> so you can laugh at me all you want, make fun of me all you want. I've had a crush on this woman for 40-something years, and I'm going to go see her live. I don't care what I have to do. She's like, oh, you know, the tickets are $200. Like, I don't care if they were $2 million. I'll take out a, a mortgage on the house. We're going to go see Olivia Newton-John. So I'm definitely going to go see that show and fulfill one of my dreams. The other one would have been to marry her, but I've got a great wife I love very much. So it's just a joke. But let's go. I think we got the band on the line. Let's connect them right now. Hang on. 
John, is that you? It's me. Hey, John, how are you? I'm good, Mike. How you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing great. It's a pleasure to have you on here today. And listen, being such a big intruder fan for so many years, we got a lot of catching up to do in this group. Sounds good, man. Sounds good. All right. Well, I'm hoping that you wait. I think, uh, hang on. I think we have uh, your partner in crime on the line, too. Let me uh, just connect. Yeah, he, yeah. <laughs> Hello. Greg is, that, Greg, is that you? It is. How you doing, Mike? Uh, uh, great. Good to have you on here. John's on the line, too. Uh, we can get started now, I guess. Let's okay, do it. Okay. All right. Do, well, you do, know, we, do we have to watch our mouth? No, no, no. You're on the internet. Plus, nobody listens anyway, so don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking around. We got a great audience, about 10,000 a week. So, you know, you, you can curse. It's okay. It's the internet. Yeah. Well, that's Greg. Yeah. Got to be on <laughs> That's okay. Let me, let, me break, let me break the ice by saying my first fuck. Okay. So now now we've done that. We can carry on. All right. You, <laughs> you got it. <laughs> well, like I said, big fan of the band for a long, long time. I mean, what's the status right now of the group? Because I know it's been on again, off again a lot over the years. What's happening right now? Yeah, we it, right now we're kind of in hiatus. I mean, we've uh you know, we do get together a few years and do some reunion shows and stuff like that. Uh Greg stays busy with his band, Arthur has his band. Um basically we've been working on this uh best of record for I don't know, Greg, what, what 10 years now it seems like. It seems um, like Yeah, we're trying to beat uh trying to beat Guns N' Roses Chinese Democracy record for however long it takes to <laughs> get a record out apparently i think we won i think at this point but um <laughs> so you know we we're, we're just now talking uh uh now it's 2017 man it's the 30th anniversary of live to die which yeah. almost is painful for me to say but um so we're hoping that we can uh do some shows this year we've got an offer to headline the uh headbangers open air in germany so if we can get everybody together and uh, make it happen, uh, that's the plan. I, I kind of like to kid around and say it's like trying to get five ex-wives in the same room, man. It's tough. <laughs> well, uh, it's definitely bags, tough. My bags are packed hey, Greg. and ready to Yeah, Greg's always oh. packed and ready to go. I'm sure. You know, I do remember hearing about this Best of Record about four or five years ago for the first time. And you were going to re-record the songs that fans were picking out as their favorites. Was that the whole idea behind it? Correct. Yeah, back uh, back in the and we had our website, which man, that seems like a million years ago. I think that's when uh, MySpace was probably still happening. Um, we did a poll and had everybody choose their favorite songs, and uh, then we were going to re-record those songs. And we also have a brand new track on there as well. Is it, is it difficult? I mean, is like you say, like if I have five five ex wives, that's the hard part. Is it just because people have gotten busy, moved on with other things, and the band has sort of become not the priority that it used to be, you know, thirty years ago? Life, yeah. life just gets yeah. away. Life just gets away yeah. sometimes. You know what I mean? So, you know. yeah, I think so. I mean, I think so. I think you know, everybody's got wives and kids and family and responsibilities, and you know, it was a lot easier in the twenties when we didn't care about anything but playing music and. That was it. Yeah. It's those damn wives and kids. They get in the way of everything. I'm, I'm telling you, man. The wives are so Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm lucky. I, I, got, I, I got mine under control. You know, I say, get me a sandwich. I get a sandwich. Get me my slippers. It's like having a lab dog in the house. I can say that now because she's in bed. She's not listening. <laughs> oh, wow. Man. You tomorrow, got a man. Tomorrow, 
Tomorrow when she plays the show, I'll be, I'll be sitting on the curb. But, you know, I still got 24 hours. <laughs> well, I, I or at least sleeping on the couch. <laughs> I, I must have stopped at the wrong, at the wrong wife, wife store because mine is nothing like that. <laughs> yeah, that's what happens. Uh, and I think so, I shopped too many times. <laughs> yeah, it's rough. But you know, you, let's go back to the beginning a little I mean, most people know the band from like, you know, around 87 to 92, 93. Uh, but it was, you know, it was Transgressor long before that. And you had a good two or three year run under right. that name of the band. Was it was there a reason that you changed your name? Was it because of another band giving you a hard time back then about it or just looking for a new, well, new change? I tell you, it was kind of a twofold thing. I mean, we, we played under uh, Transgressor probably about three years. And um, we were actually recording uh, the tracks for Live to Die still uh, being called transgressor. Um, and, you know, really what it was is like, you know, some black metal bands started coming out. Uh, I believe Venom might've been coming out at the time, some other bands coming out and, you know, they were starting to think with the name transgressor that we were for whatever reason, uh, pegged in with all these other black metal bands, which we were not. Um, so, you know, we just kind of talked about it. Uh, Arthur and I, uh, kind of, was the impetus of doing it and we thought you know we really need to get a, a, a name change just to, just to make sure that people understand that's not where we're coming from and it was fine you know i mean i bought venom's first record it was all good but that's not what we were or what our lyrics represented so that's really what the reason was so we were like just scrambling to find a name before the record came out basically what it was you know, I, I would have never thought of that, but then when you say that, you know, you don't want to be associated with, like, the certain type of music that was coming out, and then you say transgressor, and it does kind of fit into that style of music when you think about it. Right, and, that's, and, and we were kind of starting to get that from people, you know, and it was just like, you know, again, we weren't hating on anybody or anything. It was just like, that's not us, and we didn't want to get pigeonholed in anything either. So yeah. that's one of the reasons why we decided to change it. And, you know, and people forget this is at a time, you know, pre-internet. There's no such a thing. You know, even computers weren't around yeah, back then. You know, exactly. everything was, you know, word of mouth, you know, emails. I mean, emails, sending out mail of things, flies. That's how, you know, I was a big tape trader back in the 80s. And, you know, from right. the pen pal, I got a copy of the demo. And I was like, damn, these guys are great. Then, like, you know, you don't hear nothing about it because there's no way of really knowing what's going on with a lot of bands before they got signed to a label. And even then it was difficult. It was tough. It, I mean, it, it, you know, it, you think back, and I'm sure Greg and agree. It's like you think back and go, I mean, how did bands even make it back then? You know, without these days, they're, they're, you have exposure everywhere. Um, so it was definitely, like you said, it was a lot of underground, a lot of underground magazines. I mean, there was a lot of underground fanzines that uh, helped out, and word of mouth for sure. So yeah, it was well, tough. Luckily, we had a guy in the band who worked for a. A music posting company that had a watch line back in those days. That's what really helped us out, Dave. Yeah. All those calls back in those days to, to kind of get, get us a, get us a toehold in, into the scene. Yeah. You know, you, like it's true because you know, today with the click of a button, you can get your music heard all over the world. One, two, three. But there's a lot. If you're a new band, it's it's hard because there's a lot to kind of get through and a lot and hard for people to find you. As an established act, it's a little bit easier. But when you think about it, back then, I mean, where you came from was also as important because you know if you were in New York or, or L.A. or even Chicago where they had really vibrant scenes, you know, you could sustain yourself. I'm thinking of like you know Tennessee, Nashville, that area in in the early '80s, mid '80s. I mean, it's known as a music oh. capital now, but I don't see it being, you know, a hotbed for heavy metal back then. No, it, it, it wasn't. I mean, it, it, that was one of the, the biggest stigmas we had to overcome. I mean, we, we would 
actually get questions, you know, like stupid questions about, you know, Tennessee. And we used to joke like, yeah, we just got running water last week and we don't even have an outhouse anymore. You know, I mean, shit like that, which I mean, it's an honest God truth. So it was tough. I mean, we were the first heavy metal band ever signed out of Nashville. Um, and when we broke, it was and got signed to Metal Blade. It was kind of a shock in this town. It was, uh, sure, Greg can remember too, man. It was, they, people didn't know, you know, they thought we came out of nowhere, which of course we didn't because we've been playing for years and, and busting our ass. But the the people that in Nashville that were mostly country and this and that, they were just like, you know, who the hell are these guys and what is this yeah. all about? So. There, there was no no shortage of haters around here. You know what I mean? Because people go, well, they're doing it. Why, 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 why ain't it happening for us? You know, and yeah. it, there, was yeah. lot, there was a lot of stuff. There was a lot of that stuff back in those days. And you know, uh, being, being from Nashville in the overall scope of things, man, didn't, didn't myself personally didn't really hurt us. You know what I mean? Because because uh, once we started playing, all that all, all the stigmatism of what they thought the people from the south are went away. Yeah, yeah. Right, well, right. Not, not so much like a stigmatism or, uh, or the challenges of it, like based on the style of music you're playing, based on like, you know, the popular music of the area. But, I mean, you know, you're a young band starting out. You have to make your bones playing live. When there, there were enough right. bands around at that time to play with venues that had heavy metal shows to play, because it seems to me like it, it would have been difficult back then just to establish yourself as a local metal act. Well, I tell you, we, luckily we had a club called Sal's Rock block and it that place i mean there were so many bands and good bands um that played around the same time that we did i mean a lot of talent uh great band called simmons brothers of ours good guys um you know and 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 other bands as well it really was it was unknown of course but it was it was a really good scene the club was great uh, we'd have bands come through Metallica, stuff like that. And they'd all, they'd all stop at the club and hang out. So it was, uh, it was, it was, a it was kind of a hotbed, but a hotbed that nobody knew about. It was kind of an yeah. inside secret kind of thing. It, I, I know, get there, that. There was, there, there was a lot of good musicians here and there still is, you know what I mean? If, if you're looking for somebody who's, who's really good at playing polka, I'm sure there's some, there's some, some guy around here that's badass that can do it. You know what I mean? And it was kind of like that back then too. Uh, actually, the scene was like ten, a hundred times better back then than what it is now. I mean, it's just trash around here now. It's not strong anymore, huh? No, 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 no. Unless you, unless you want to play covers and go play on Broadway and play the top forty country hits or the you know rock rock hits or whatever, it's become it's actually become a, a tourist trap if, if if nothing else. You know what I mean? It's yeah, just yeah. It kind of makes me sick, really. It makes me long for the days, those those old days back when we were we were, uh, you know, all out and tearing it up. But it, it's it's nothing like that or what it, what it used to be. Not even close. Yeah, and that's a shame too because you have you know guys like yourselves who have been around for so long playing that you're looking to get out and play. It must make it difficult for new and younger bands coming up not to have that that kind of scene over there to support them. Yeah, it, it, that that's true. And, you know, the, the Internet has helped a lot, but it's hurt a lot, too, because, you know, it's like you were saying earlier, you know, there's so much out there that it, it's almost like information overload. And a lot of people just won't take the time to sift through to see what's what's good and what isn't, you know, because I mean, you don't even have to be in a band. You can start a band website these days. And, you know, before you know it, you know, unless you're an established band like us, you know, you, you kind of get lost in the shuffle. Yeah. 
Well, you know, you, I mean, Greg, before you joined the band, Live to Die comes out. That was the first record when you guys were still a four-piece outfit on Ironworks. And Ironworks was a small label. I remember Jack Pans was putting out the EP on that label. I think there was like one other band. I think it was might have been Overkill had the EP out on that label. You yeah. went with them for the first album. What was it like signing with it? Was it difficult like being with such a small? Because I think there was like a do-it-yourself type of thing that guy had going on. Yeah, uh, Dave uh, Dave Richards. Um, <clears throat> he. Um, yeah, he sent we sent him a tape um back when we were transgressor. We actually had cut some demos and he really loved it. He he, he you know, he was like, "Man, I, you know, I think you guys are great." I think he kind of dug the angle. It was from Tennessee, kind of kind of a kind of different thing there because of course he was out in California. And uh so we sent him the tapes and it took us about I'd say about a year for us to finish everything because we were we were working with Tom Harding who was our producer on our first uh what, two albums and an LP and an EP and we were getting into the studio kind of like you know he'd be like hey uh, this band's leaving I got an hour for you to come in here and cut some tracks so we kind of did that off and on for over a year we're to the point where Dave Richards thought we like had you know imploded and we were gone and then we sent him a tape and we said funny thing we sent him the, the finished tracks and with the name intruder and he didn't even know who the hell we were and then he kind of put two and two together, like, oh, this is Transgressor? And he was, like, mind-blown. But he did a lot for the band. I mean, that guy did more picture discs and shapes. And, I mean, it keeps it keeps eBay alive, man. People are making all kinds of money <laughs> off all those things. Yeah. And, and that, that record was hard to find for a long time. I, I mean, most of the albums seem to be reissued over the years. Were you involved right. in any of them, or did people just do it without you guys even knowing it? No, no, no. I, I, I've been pretty much involved with most of them and working with them with, you know, uh, doing track, you know, doing liner notes and, and, and uh, the alternate graphics and things like that. So, so I'm trying to, I try to keep, you know, might be one or two bootlegs running around, but for the most legitimate stuff that no, nah, I've been, been involved a hundred percent. Oh, that's good to know. Well, you know, a couple of years go by and now you guys are signed to metal blade records. One of the bigger underground labels back then, you had you had Metal Blade out on the West Coast, you had Megaforce here on on the East Coast. Everybody wanted to kind of hook up with them. When you did get signed to Metal Blade, was everything that you were kind of hoping for in a label? Well, you know, <laughs> like like you said, Metal Blade was like kind of the Holy Grail, and and uh, we we were looked at by a few other labels, um, but we really wanted to get on Metal Blade because that was the label that we you know admired and all the bands that we admired were on that label and um it, it was um obviously getting signed i mean we it was you know we it was a, a great feeling we uh we had a rocky time with metal blade you know um the, to be honest but uh you know water under the bridge bygones be bygones but it was kind of a kind of a rough go for us with uh with the label uh, you're one of many who've said that about Metal Blade Records over the years, but uh, you know, a higher form of killing comes out. At that time, you go from a four-piece to a five-piece. That's when Greg kind of hooks up with the band. How, how did that right. come about? Were you just looking to you know, add another guitar well, player to the group, expand the sound? Y- yeah, I mean, you know, we obviously Live to Die was more of a speed metal, power metal kind of feeling. And, uh, you know, I used to buy... God, I used to buy five or six, seven albums a week, and I brought home uh, Slayer, Rain and Blood, and we put that on, and our lives were changed, <laughs> including yeah. our style of music. Um, it really, that was probably one of the biggest influences on the band, uh, We, which you can tell from listening to Live to Die, to Higher Form of Killing, 
how much Slayer influenced the band. And once we started writing uh, more in that vein, we knew we needed to have another uh, guitar player uh, in addition. Um, and then Arthur definitely wanted to have more freedom with having another uh, guitar player as well. So that was kind of the impetus of us finding uh, another player. And it was, it was tough. It was tough to find a player um, because nobody in this town was doing anything like we were doing. I mean, nobody, it was mostly, you know, Van Halen type stuff or, or uh, poison, you know, hair bands and stuff like that. There really wasn't anybody doing thrash like we were right, Greg. I mean, is that, that no, we we were the only thrash band. I mean, around here, that's for sure. Everybody else was, you know, teasing their hair and wearing makeup and shit like that. You know, uh, for the most part, but we were the only ones that was, you know, uh, true speed metal band. You know, thrash right. band right. around here, period. So it was tough. It was tough to find somebody who, you know, a got where we were coming from, and b could actually freaking play. The music, because what we were writing for Higher Form of Killing was was way more challenging than Led to Die stuff. I mean, uh, so Greg can tell you about uh, how he came to be in the band. What uh, happened, Greg? Me and Arthur, me and Arthur have been friends for a little while, and and uh, I actually met Arthur at a at a mutual friend's house, and I was just kind of sitting around at at at, at our friend's house. His name was David, and. They tried to get me to go to Florida with them, and I wasn't going to go. And they go, well, you, you know, just lock up when you leave. So I'm sitting there. I'm just kind of like banging around on the guitar. I'm there by myself. You hear a knock on the door. There's a big six-foot-four long-haired dude at the door. <laughs> and uh, and uh, come, come find out it was Arthur. And, I, you know, I invited me in, tell him, you know, they've all left. I'm just kind of sitting around banging around on guitar. And then we start just kind of, you know, sitting there playing and, and you know, swapping the guitar back and forth and just kind of jamming a little bit, doing this and doing that. And uh, me and him become friends. And uh, at first, you know, to be honest with you, I was just, you know, me and Arthur were just friends. And I was uh, loaning my aunt from time to time to, to play shows and shit when he was in the shop or whatever, you know. And uh, and then Todd, I met Todd shortly after that. And uh, I just remember listening to, you know, because I didn't really play thrash, uh, speed metal at that time. You know what I mean? I was I was kind of more like into the Queensryche kind of stuff in a way, you know. And uh, But and Randy Rhodes and all the guitar heroes, Ingve, Dio, Vivian Campbell, all those guys, you know. And uh, then I remember riding I remember riding with Todd, and two things happened. He he put he put on the, the Intruder record that hadn't came out yet. It was from Ironworks, and I was like, man, this is really damn good. But at the time, there was no talking about another guitar player at the time, you know. And uh, and then and the other thing was when he put in Among the Living, the Anthrax album Among the Living, that changed my life towards wanting to play this kind of music a lot, you know what I mean? And, of course, yeah. Rainy Blood, but, Rainy Blood, but Anthrax's Among the Living was the record that really fired me up to want to play this kind of music. So... Anyway, long and short of it, you know, I'm kind of hanging out with the guys and all that stuff, coming to the shows, you know, you know, just kind of helping out, really. Not not a roadie, per se, but just, you know, kind of helping out. And then they start talking about, you know, we, we ought to get another guitar player. And I don't even know if they tried anybody else out. I think I was the only guy that tried out. And, you know, we were friends, first of all. But it really changed my life, you know. And I told John and him, I told John and Arthur and, those guys and Jimmy that it really changed my life because they took they took a chance on me. I learned how to play, really play, playing with the musicians in this band, exactly. and it's kind of set set the tone for 
for me being a lifelong musician, you know, because I've never really stopped playing. And uh, these guys took a chance on me. You know, I wasn't I wasn't quite there yet, but I was I was progressing pretty rapidly because I mean, how can you not play with the the, the guys at, at this at this level? You know what I mean? And uh, you know that the rest is history, and then everything started gelling, and you know, then we get we you signed a deal with Metal Blade, and uh, on and upwards we went. Oh, absolutely, and like you were saying before, you know, a higher form of killing. It's definitely so much more evolved than Live to Die. You can see the change in the band from the two guitars to the way you guys were writing. And Cycles of Fun, I mean, it was like a continuation to me of a higher form of killing, but it just took it to another whole level. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Out of all the albums, I think Psycho, to me, is probably my – well, it is my favorite. I think – Songwriting-wise, we had matured. Playing-wise, we had matured. I think some of my, you know, I wrote about 90% of the lyrics in the band. Uh, Neil Peart was one of my my heroes because he was a drummer and a lyricist. So, uh, but I think some of the strong song uh, lyrics I've written was on Psycho. I don't know. I mean, and again, they're two kind of different animals too. It was a conscious. It was a conscious uh, choice to slow it down a little bit on psycho. I mean, there was some thrash parts in there, um, but there was a conscious effort to like, not be as thrashy as the other. We always like to change. Uh, Arthur and I are big prog fans. We loved rush and bands like that, which you can, you can hear it in the songs. Cause a lot of these songs were six, seven, <laughs> eight minutes long with 9,000 different parts and time changes, but it's what we love to do. So yeah, it was uh, my favorite. Uh, Especially on Psycho Savant, I think almost all the songs clocked in at six or seven minutes outside of one. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, really what, good uh, stuff. When we were writing them and everything, we never even thought about the time of it. You know what I mean? We never even thought about, Proof. you know, a lot of bands like, oh, we got to be under, we got to be under four minutes or something. We just wrote, and if it felt good, it felt good, and 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 you know, we're just kind of the type we don't like to stay in in, in one in one set mode in the song. You know what I mean? Uh, there's always been a lot of movement in, in the music, and and I, and I think that's what the beauty of metal is. is there's, it's, it's kind of no hose bar, do whatever the fuck you want, and if it sounds good, when, you know, in the way I've always looked at it, people could could criticize or do whatever the hell they want, but but when we came out when we came out to present it to the audience, you know, us five guys before we before we ever got up there and played it, we all felt good about it and we stood behind it, and that was that. And that's that's the way it should. I think if you have to make a conscious effort to write a song under four minutes, I, I don't think you can actually write a good song. Yeah, no, I mean, but, no. But you know, that's how that's how they do. You know, that's that's a pop formula more or less. Yeah, you know, pop you gotta, mentality. You know, and, and, and shit, man. I mean, I, I I wouldn't know what a fucking hit looked like. It would smack me in the face. You know, I, I wouldn't know how to write <laughs> one. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. But that's but like I say, that's so, the beauty of metal is you know you don't really have. You don't really per se have an A and R guy in there going, "Hey, you know, I, I don't hear a hit on this record. I, well, well, I don't know yeah. what we're going to put on." You know, that's that, that's what I really love about this style of music more than anything is that it was it was rebellious in nature and technically challenging. And it, it, it's yeah. interesting too. It's interesting too on those two albums, especially um, Higher Form of Killing and, and uh, Psycho. You really got you've really got like a lot of our fans, boy. They're really passionate about one, or they're passionate about the other. I've really noticed that through the years. I mean, there's some people like, you know, well, I like Psycho, but Higher Form of Killing, man, that, you know, that was, that was my rule book from my life, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. 
So it was interesting. It's interesting to hear people's thoughts on those. I mean, is which which one is your favorite out of those two, Mike? Is it Psycho or is it? Out of those two, I, I go. I, I would go with a higher form of killing, only because of the first killing. time I heard a new sound from you guys. It was different than "Live to Die." Right, right. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I'm always fascinated by what people think. For yeah. me, it was definitely higher form of killing as well, just because of just the, the sure brutality and aggressiveness of it. You know, but I, I'm proud of everything that we did. You know what I mean? I, I don't. Uh, but but I'd have to say just for the brutality and, and the and the aggressiveness. Uh, you know that it was, a, yeah. it was a brutal record. I just think that yeah. you know psycho psycho songwriting wise and obviously playing wise. I mean Arthur was freaking on the top of his game. I mean the solos on that album were just. I was just listening to it the other day, honestly, and it was like his solos are mind blowing. I mean, yeah, uh, definitely most, good stuff. Yeah. T- to me, anybody can metal up a monkey song. I got to go with that album. <laughs> well, you can you can you can blame you can put all the blame on me. I'm the big I'm the big monkeys freak in the band, and we actually uh, it was funny, man. When we when we were transgressor, we actually uh, used to do the theme for the monkeys and come out there and thrash that, and um, and it kind of mutated into Stepping Stone, and then we just couldn't we couldn't stop playing it because every time we'd play, if we didn't do it, people would scream it out. Yeah. So so hey. and it gave Jimmy it gave Jimmy a break from. Uh, Singing the 500 billion lyrics, I had to have that guy sing for every song. So. <laughs> oh, it was a great cover. Yeah, the same thing with Chicago. I mean, you guys took Chicago, you mailed that up too. You did a great job on that. Yeah, that was that was kind of just a, a funny, quirky thing. We were actually uh, we were rehearsing, uh, getting ready to do some. We were going to go on. We knew we were going to go on the road. We didn't really have a full album. And uh, Steve Ricardo, who was our A and R guy at the time, Metal Blade came out and flew out. And just kind of hung with the band, wanted to see, you know, listen to some tracks. And we we always used to just play different stuff. We used to do, um, right, we used to do Van Halen, and we'd play Riding the Storm Out, just to warm up. And Riding we used to play, Sunday, yeah, Riding the, yeah, Sunday Bloody Sunday, we used to do U2. And uh, then we started playing the, that, and man, he just kind of stopped in his tracks. He looked at us, he's like, oh, you guys got to record that. And we were like, fuck that, that's that's insane. And uh, so, long story short, yeah, we 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 went ahead and did it. I don't know what Chicago thought of it, but <laughs> well, that was a great it job. I got to ask you, TM, you paid the price. Who was TM? Okay, TM is Typhoid Mary. Okay. Uh, I wrote that. I wrote that song. Um, like a lot of my songs, I used to uh, pre-internet. I used to go to the library and research songs for a couple of weeks before I would I would write the lyrics for songs. And that story kind of came across, and it was such an amazing story that uh, I knew I had to write a song about it. But I always like to write songs where I didn't, like, exactly spell out what the fuck it was. I wanted some people yeah. to, you know, to wonder and, and kind of do some research. But, you know, all the clues are there. It, it, it was funny. I used to, we used to go on the road, and these people would come up to me, and they're like, man, you know, I love that this song XYZ. And they would give me this whole explanation of what the song was which was nothing about what it was, but hell, it was actually better than what I came up with. So I was like, yeah, man, that, that's it. That's awesome. You nailed it. I, 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 knew, I knew it was Mary, because you, know, you say the name in the song a couple of times, but I didn't put Typhoid before that. And what, it's going by 20-something years now. You think I would have figured it out by now? <laughs> well, see, that was, a, that was a good mystery right there. See? Yeah, I'm glad now I had you on the show to solve that. 
<laughs> yeah, the secrets, the secrets out. Yeah. Well, you know, like I said, you guys, you had, you had a great five-year run, but I know towards the end, I believe you know, guys got dropped from Metal Blade Records uh, after the Psycho record came out. I heard you guys were on tour when it happened, and this is since like you '92. Halfway through the tour, come, that must have been like you know, some news to get when you're out on the road. It was uh, fucking depressing to to say the least. Uh, it was halfway through the tour. We had just hit. Greg can correct me if I'm wrong. We had just hit number one on the College Music uh, Journal charts with Psycho, and. Yep. And boom, they dropped a bomb on us. We just we just said fuck it. We just kept going. We paid our own way through the whole thing. But yeah, that was kind of the beginning of the end. It was it was kind of demoralizing, honestly. And we were kind of getting burned out as a band. It was the classic, you know, band inner fighting and and this and that. And we didn't we weren't where we would want wanted to be. We never got to Europe. We were supposed to go to Europe that year. Metal Blade promised to send us to Europe, which we knew that would break us and. It, that never happened. So it was, yeah, it was a, it was a tough, it was a tough time. Yeah. You're talking, you're talking really the early. Yeah, Greg, I'm sorry. We still really don't know what happened. What, what made it transpire to that, to be honest with you. We still don't. No, no, we don't. It's probably, it's probably Brian Slagle. He had nothing better to do, I guess, that weekend for a daughter to board. You know, you can never <laughs> figure out that guy. Yeah. But he's in the heavy metal hall of fame right now. So he does something right. I guess. <laughs> yeah. I guess it's just something right. He's in the heavy metal hall of fame, so whatever that is. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say. I'm not. I'm gonna. I'm gonna keep keep my thoughts to myself. <laughs> started, That's okay. I started, to go down that road. I started to go down that road, and I just thought, eh, it's one of the worth it. It's, it's old news. But, yep. But like '92. I mean, metal. I mean, everybody blames you know grunge on metal falling apart, and it had a big you know thing to do with it, but. It was still good around 91, 92. I don't think the hammer fell yet. People realized what was going to happen at that point in time. Were you feeling anything like in the scene, like the scene was changed as you were traveling around the country playing? Well, you know, I didn't, I don't think we saw it because, you know, we were so driven about what we were doing, but I, I'll tell you a really quick story that I, this is where I, I knew, and I don't know if Greg remembers this or not. I don't know if you were there, Greg. I, know exactly, I remember that. Yeah. Exactly. We were, man, we were sitting on the bus there and our manager comes up and she goes, I've got a tape. And this tape, this band, they're saying this band is going to be the next big thing. And we were like, oh, fuck, this is going to be awesome. So she sticks the tape in, we're listening, and we're all looking at each other like, this sounds like a pile of shit. It turned out to be Pearl Jam. <laughs> yeah. It was Pearl Jam's demos for their new album. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, that kind of was the beginning of the end, I guess. I'll yeah. tell you when I, I'll tell you when, now, I, I'll tell you when it, it kind of, chimed in on me that I thought, oh, man, metal's, metal's fucking over. We were in uh, uh, Vancouver, British Columbia, playing, <laughs> playing up there, and yeah. all of a sudden, uh, uh, Inner Sandman comes on, and all these girls get up and start dancing to it, and I'm thinking to myself, man, the apocalypse has happened. Yeah, we did. We looked at each other and we're like, metal's dead. The metal is dead. Well, I mean, come on, it's Canada. You know what I'm saying? You could take over the whole country with two <laughs> water guns. You know, you know it it's is Canada. <laughs> It is cold up there. I guess, I guess you have to do something to stay warm. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that I, is I, funny, I, Greg. Yeah. A year or so after the band fell apart and it was over, I mean, you know, that's when the scenes really did start to change drastically with Nirvana, like I said, Pearl Jam. Do you think if you guys were still playing and, and still going at it, you would have survived that era? Because it was hard in for Europe, a lot of bands. In Europe, we would have if we just if we just concentrated in Europe and South America and stuff like that. Yeah, I think we I think we would have. Yeah, probably. Yeah. But you know, being being that 
when that happened and, you know, even, I mean, you know, all, most of the band just seemed to disappear. They went from playing stadiums to clubs and yeah, yeah it would have been, t- you know, it's hard to play that what if game, but yeah, it probably, probably would have been tough. Uh, well, it was about 10 years before you guys try to put it back together again around 2002. And then about 10 years after that. And, and, you know, you tried again, was that just for the point of getting together to play some of these festivals or reunite these one-off shows? Or were you trying to make an attempt to, you know, try to do it again? I don't know if I want to no, say because that's kind of hard. But, no, you know. no, no. It was more of just, you know, getting together and, and doing a reunion thing. It was exactly 10 years since uh, since the breakup of the, of the original lineup that we played in, uh, what was it, Cleveland? Yeah, Cleveland. Yeah, you and, remember, um, remember how that all came about, John? You remember how that all came about? What's that? I, I, by chance, I seen you coming out of the liquor store. Remember that? And we got to oh, right. About right. We, we need to get together and just, you know, get together yep. just – just the guys and have and then one thing led to another. We we were, we were, yeah, and I had a, I did an interview with uh, I can't remember the name of the magazine, but it was they basically did interviews with uh, classic bands from back in the eighties and and they had put this classic metal fest together and wanted to know if we were going to play and then yeah we all kind of were like at that point let's do it so and then we uh, had a, uh, met uh, Jürgen in uh, Germany who wanted to re-release. Uh, the uh, Live to Die album that was his favorite record, and of course he him uh, he he sponsored the uh, Headbangers Open Air, and he was like, "You guys gonna come over?" And of course we never been to Europe, so we were like, "Hey, any chance to go to Europe? We're gonna do it." So I mean, we all love each other. We're all brothers, man. You know, um, there's a bond in bands that you know. You there? I think I think we lost John. Well, I can pick up where there, there, there's okay. a bond and, and brotherhood and, and bands. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, and that's really that's what happened. It was a chance encounter. I, I happened to see John coming out of the damn liquor store, and I was there too. And we just started, you know, small talk, and then you know, hey, let's get together, and got you know got in touch with all, with the other three guys and started chit chatting. And before you know it, we were wanting to play play you know just to play a show here, and then we got offered to play the show up in, up in Chicago. Uh, Cleveland. It was Cleveland, not Chicago. I'm sorry. Yeah. And uh, and one thing led to another. And then, then, then shortly after that, we 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 signed a little deal in Germany with with Helium Records, which is with Jurgen. And we kind of, we went to Europe twice since then, and and may go this year hopefully. That would be great. I mean, I wish you guys can get together and do a little bit more because I would love to see you play here somewhere in the U.S. I mean, I like I know you guys were talking before. It's kind of difficult because everybody's all over the place these days. I think we got John back. Let me connect him, and then we'll keep going. Okay, John, you there? Nah, he's all broken up. You know, I'll try calling him and connecting him, but uh, you might have the show coming up this year, but is there a possibility of a few more shows here and there and not just some of those European ones? Man, I, I, you know, I can't speak for everybody else, but I, I would love to do another U.S. tour. I would love to just, you know, go from coast to coast, do it, one, do it one more time. You know what I'm saying? I mean, and I, I think, I, I think the vast majority of us would. I, you know, it's just a matter of getting everything lined up, get all of our ducks in a row, so to speak, and uh, and uh, try to try to make it happen. You know, but I, I'm, you know, I'm still playing uh, quite often in, in my band that I'm in now. So, I mean, yeah, I. I you know, it's kind of it's kind of weird. You know, it's like when you're in your twenties and stuff. You like, you know, everything that comes along with it. You know, why women and song. You know, and not necessarily in that order. Yeah, you get a little older. You get you get a little older, and you start really just. 
Oh, great. I think we're getting a uh, connecting. Uh, let me see here. Let's try. That's John, you there? Yeah. Uh, yeah, we lost you there for a while. Yeah, fucking technology. What are you going to do? <laughs> you can't do much about <laughs> it. It's up. rough. Put the fucking phone up to the charger. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually calling through Google. Damn you, Google. <laughs> I have to use smoke signals pretty soon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that, guys. Nah, that's okay. Greg and I were just talking about the possibilities of more shows like in the U.S., if that's even a possibility. Maybe finally getting that you know re-recorded record out or new material, you know, even if it takes a long time. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping. I mean, like Greg like Greg was saying, I mean, Greg, Greg and I talk about it all the time. I mean, we're always like, man, we want to play, want to play, you know, and, and and it's tough. Like I said, everybody's got a lot of stuff going on, but uh, I'm hoping, and I know Greg is like, because this is the 30th year of live to die. I mean, it'd be a great opportunity, you know, to go out there and uh, do some shows and hopefully go to Europe. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I'm hoping to make it happen. I know Greg is too. Um, love to play. I love, I like I told him when we lost him, man. I'd, I'd love to play the U.S. again. I really would. If there's if there's a way that it can happen and 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 it be feasible to do it, I mean, I, I'd love to do that too. You know I mean? Yeah, there's a, there's a lot. Of, I get a, I, I, I get a lot of offers. I get a lot of offers on the Facebook page. Um, a lot of offers from South America. We've got so many new fans down there, which is crazy. They're all like 20 years old and think we're we're incredible, which is which is awesome and kind of humbling, but uh, we'd love to be able to do it, you know. And I, I keep telling Greg and all those guys, you know, I'm, I'm kind of the old guy in the band because all the everybody else was like five years younger than me. I said, you better get me before I get my walker. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're gonna have to make that happen. Listen, I know a couple of promoters that put on some really good festivals here, you know, in, in New York City and other places. I'm gonna reach out to them and uh, see if they're interested because I would love to get you guys here for a show. That would be incredible. Oh, that'd be that'd be awesome. Yeah, that'd be we- awesome. We would be well, honored and loved, loved it. Uh, you know, plus we do have the best pizza around. I mean, forget about Chicago. I mean, it's New York. Right. Get a thin slice over here. Right. To, we'll make it happen. Well, my old man, my old man was born in the Bronx, man. So I'm a. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Perfect. So I know. So you have an easy yep. time understanding my accent, then. It's not too bad. Oh yeah, I feel like I'm home. <laughs> That's good to know. Hey, listen, guys, I'm not going to keep you much longer because I got Jack Russell waiting in the wings in a little bit, and uh, I don't want him uh, left to his own devices. Who knows what that guy can do? So, uh, <laughs> you got that right. <laughs> we're going to get to him in a little bit, but I can't thank you guys enough for being on here with me today. And I am looking forward to that greatest hits record coming out, especially that things are re recorded and getting a new tune on top of that. It'll be pretty amazing. I hope you guys can make it happen soon. Well, it's Hello. been an honor, man. It's been an honor. Yeah, thank you, brother. We, you know, we def we definitely want to. We uh, you know I, I I think that there's a, there's a possibility we can iron it all out and make it happen. I'd I'd love to do it. That's yeah, Mike. Be a great uh, thing. And Mike, yeah, again, man, thank you for uh, getting us on the station, man. And I'm always I'm always humbled by people who are still fucking interested in what we have to say. <laughs> I'm always kind of amazed. I don't know why, but <laughs> but uh, no, it's it, it's been awesome, man. It's been a pleasure. Well, yeah, that goes to show you the mark that you left on the music scene. People know who you are. People remember you, and they'll never forget. Yeah, that's true. That's true, man. And that's and a me- good thing. And I've, always, and I've always said metal fans, man, they're the best fucking fans in the world. That we are. That, that we are. I second that. I second that for sure. Well, I know what? I'm going to play a couple of little seven-minute songs right now, and that will take us into the next half hour of the show. Awesome. Awesome. All right, guys. Thank you. All Have right, a brother. great night. 
Good talking. All right, man. Mike. Take care now. All right. I want to thank Greg and John. Great time talking with those guys. Let's get on. You know what? How about we do It's a Good Life? It's a good life!
All right, Intruder with Kiss of Death, and it's a good life right before that. It was great talking with the guys. We got an interview with Jack Russell coming up in about five minutes or so. We'll get on one or two more tunes between now and then. Next week, who do we have on the show? I said it before, Bobby Blitz Ellsworth of Overkill is on the show. And if you remember that thrash metal band from San Francisco back in the 80s, United, they are back together. I think the whole band is calling it. I'm not too sure. I'll confirm it this week with their uh, PR person. Uh, so February is right around the corner, man. I can't believe it. we got a lot of great guests lined up for this month. Uh, one I'm looking more forward to than anything else is Attila, that killer band out of New York back in the day. I finally found somebody in the band, and uh, we will be talking to him in the middle of February. So this week we'll put up all the February guests on the Facebook page and on the .com website. So check it out. we got a great lineup for the month of February. It is Black History Month. Maybe we should reach out to uh, Stone Vengeance or uh, Seeky and uh, get one of them on the show just to stay relevant, I guess, right? All right. How about we do brand new creator? John wanted to hear it. His Army of Storms.
I got to tell you, the new creator is killing it. Army of Storms. If you haven't picked it up, grab a copy now on Nuclear Blast Records. All right, we got an interview with Jack Russell we're going to get to right now. I spoke to Jack earlier. Uh, hopefully, the interview sounds okay because he called on my phone instead of into the station to record it. Uh, so I kind of did the best I could with it. But sit back, enjoy. What an extreme, huh? Created to Jack Russell. All right, Jack Russell of Great White or Jack Russell's Great White. These days. Sit back, relax, enjoy the interview. Hey, Jack, how are you? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Uh, it's great talking to you, man. So, yeah, you too. Somebody told me I had an interview at 8.30. I said, a.m.? I said, a.m.? They got an 8.30 a.m. now? <laughs> <laughs> this is kind of early for a rock star, I got to tell you. No, no, not at all, man. I live on a boat down in the marina here in Southern California, and I love getting up seeing the sunrise every day. Oh, that's great. It's just great. beautiful, man. I have a cup of coffee sitting there, you know. Just great. That's fantastic, man. Hey, Lucy, I got to tell you. Been going through some of the new album. You got a home run with this one. Oh, thank you, man. You know, I, I'm really excited about it. I, I've had, you know, I don't, want, I don't want to tempt fate, but you know, I love it. You know what I mean? And I haven't felt this way about a record since Twice Shy. I mean, that little anticipatory feeling you get in your stomach and that little, little knot in your throat. You know, and um, every time I do another interview. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you, know, you just never know, man. I mean, I, 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 there's amazing songs in this record, and I don't mean to sound, you know, unhumble. You know what I mean? Um, I mean this with all humility. I mean, I, I, this song like Godspeed, for example. You know, I mean, I, I hear that in a romantic comedy in the beginning of the beginning music. You know what I mean? Where they're, they're just doing their little thing, and moms, you know, going to the market or whatever. The in, in beginning seems to be, you know. It seems like it'd be perfect for something like that, you know? Uh, absolutely. Well, you know, I mean, so, the, the album's been a long time coming. I mean, it started out as a gauntlet about three years ago. Uh, it took quite a bit of time for you to put this together. Yeah, well, you know, um, I wanted to make it right, and the key to that, you know, was having the right band. And I ne I've never felt to we heard our most recent member, um, Damn Thank <laughs> you. 
Yeah. Uh, it, it must feel good to finally have guys to play with that are willing to go out there and do what they have to do to make music. I mean, I know, oh, yeah. I, I know the last few years, you know, besides the record, they've been a struggle with some of the past members of Great White. I mean, it just seems like that shouldn't be at this time in life and at, at our age. No, absolutely not, you know. Um, it should just be fun, and, and you should feel privileged and honored to do what we do. I mean, and most people, I don't think, feel that. I think they're just kind of, well, I'm entitled to this, and I deserve this, and I'm great. And, I mean, you know, it, it's it's um, it's a different world than it was back in the 80s. The 80s, and even, even the 70s, man, you know, that's, you know, that's where I come from. I mean, this band actually was started in Cage have been doing this. And that's a long time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it is a long time. You know, and that's another thing about, you know, when you get to talk about the split up, you know, it's like it, it you know, there was a lot of water under the bridge, and, you know, I straight take credit for my part, you know. You know, I was a mess, granted, at the end of the last, you know, the last time we were together for a while, you know, I missed the shows and screwed up lyrics and, falling down on stage and, you know, it was just, just a mess, you know. That man, second wife had left me and just, just tore me to shreds. I mean, I was just so, like, I was so out of the blue. And it happened to be a, a really good friend of both of ours. Yeah, I guess they're a little better, better friends than we were, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, but the funny thing is, I just look at the caveat, the, uh, she gets pregnant, right, in my bed. In the house that I'm paying for it. And I get a phone call like four months after she's, you know, been pregnant. And um, it was from her best friend. She goes, I'm on the road. She goes, Jack, I got to tell you, some terrible's happened. I go, what? She goes, Kirk died. Kirk was the guy she was cheating me with. I go, Kirk died. She goes, yeah, Kirk died. He had a massive heart attack at work. He was only 33 years old. I'm all. <laughs> I'm terribly sorry. Oh, and oh, pardon me. Oh, God. Oh, my God. I just turned my tears. It's horrible. Oh, my God. I'm on the phone going, oh. You know, no, I'm just kidding. I mean, well, I'm kidding, kind of. I mean, I was laughing. But, you know, uh, and then I felt bad and, you know, asked for forgiveness. I mean, no, but nobody, you know, I want the guy to die for Christ's Yeah. <laughs> uh, you don't want to do that either. <laughs> no, no. I, actually, 
my my wife now, my current wife, is is the girl of my dreams. I, I didn't really even think existed. I wrote all these love songs, you know, about somebody that I didn't really think was there. And then when we got together, I was going, you know, when I wrote all these songs about what a trip. Yeah. And um, it, it was just really, really strange, you know. Yeah. And so we get lucky, you know. Well, well, yeah, this album does feel personal. It does have a lot of personal stuff on it. At least I would think it does. Yeah. Yeah, it's very, very personal. There's a, you know, it's it's, it's more insightful into my life than, than anything I've ever done. I've tried to be very honest about myself and my life and, and what I've done and try to steer people in the right direction instead of following me, you know. Yeah. You know, you talk about Mark Kendall before. You know, they got their thing going on. You got yours. I hear you, sometimes I hear people like, Yo, well, Jack Russell, he's a singer of Grey White. Why would he want to use the name? He's off on his own right now. But I think people forget that. You were going out on the, you know, Jack Russell's Grey White decades ago. When you know, things first happened then years ago. This is like there's something new where you're trying to capitalize on the name of technically your own band. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's like, I, it's my band. I mean, rightly, by all rights, I shoot on the name. You know, Michael R. You know, he just wrote the sign warning even members of the corporation. It was mine and Mark's corporation. You know, I was the president, he was the vice president. Yeah. And, you know, so basically when I put my, my little note out to everybody, I said I fired my, my original band. And, you know, we're going to challenge change people and yada, yada, yada. And then they turned around and, you know, attacked me. And, you know, this is our band. And I'm thinking, no, Michael and Mark, and Michael and Audie, at the time, they were just 1099 employees. Yeah. And they weren't part of the corporation because we kicked them out and fired them. So, you know, anyway. You know, that's just the way it happened. Uh, I don't think it was correct, but I didn't feel like fighting them and then having them no way to make a living. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, mean, I, I didn't want to do that. You know, I mean, I, I, heaven forbid, I never wanted to do that to somebody. Yeah. And that would be, you know, for, I mean, I know they would do it to me if they had a chance, but, you know, that's them, that's not me. You know, I have to live with myself and my decisions. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, I'd rather have it just be Jack Russell's Great White, you know, Mark Kendall's Great White. That would make more sense to me. But I even said at one point, long before this came out, um, I said something, you know, I mean, a conference where I taped them together. And, uh, taped them together. Um, so what was I talking about this early? You <laughs> <laughs> were talking about, uh, the, the name and everything, but. Oh, the name, yeah, yeah. So, you know, um, I, I just, you know, acquiesced at the end and they decided to acquiesce, you know, and, and I, you know, the one thing I wouldn't accept was Jack Russell formerly of. It's like, you know what? No, there's going to be no formerly ofs. You know, and maybe eventually I'll drop the great white thing, you know, maybe. But that's, you know, that was my baby. You know, that was a name I came up with because I fish for sharks. I love sharks. Yeah. You know, I started calling Mark that because he, he, he's so white, you know. <laughs> it's like the toilet paper should wipe him, you know what I mean? I mean, the, I mean he should wipe the toilet paper, you know what I mean? It's so white, you know. Mm. So, Anyway, it's more of a personal thing, it seems, than than a promotional thing, because it's like you know, get rid of one of your kids. It's like your baby, and you just can't put away something for thirty years and say, "Well, I'll do something else now." Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. No, it is like that, and that's how I feel. When you said exactly, I always look at the, the records like my babies. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, go off to go off to the to the to, the, to go off to the the radio now. Don't be a bad kid. Hang out with the kids at the bottom of the charts. <laughs> yep. 
Greg, before you were talking about, you know, once bitten, twice shy, it comes out in the late 80s. I mean, the band just explodes after that. And then not long after that, it's just like hard rock, heavy metal, just disappeared when grunge took over. Was, yeah. it, was it difficult after like all those years of putting in the time to get there? You finally get there, and then they pull the rug out from under the entire scene, not just the band. Yeah, I know. It was just horrifying. I don't go, what are you doing? <laughs> and that's when the bands all started to, 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 you know, we had that camaraderie we all did back in the, in the early days. You know, even though we were playing uh, against each other, you know, the bands would all hang out and go see each other play, you know. And um, probably talk crap, you know. But I was pretty much, uh, you know, a fan of everybody's, you know. I was like, well, I guess good, I guess good, I guess sucks. You know, but, yeah. um, but we, you know, we all, most of us thought we all knew each other and we hung out, we did shows together and, you know, uh, it was really cool. It was a lot of fun. Those are some of the best, uh, days yeah. I can remember. It was before we got signed, you know? Yeah. I mean, you, I always knew it, but I just, you know, I, I just wanted to, you know, pretend like I didn't know it, you know? Yeah. And well, the one thing I didn't know was when it was going to happen. You know, I knew it was going to happen, how or when, were still questions that weren't answered. But, you know, um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's been my dream, and I've been able to live it. And I like to think, I think the fans and think all your radio people that helped, you know, helped push us over the top. And, and you know, you've been so integral in my life, and I never get a chance to, to thank you guys. And, um, you know, here's my opportunity, you know. So God bless you guys, and God bless your families, you know. I mean, without radio, you know, there'd be no way to get the music to the masses, you know. Yeah. And I'm just sick of the way, I'm just sad the way things are turning out ever since the Internet. I mean, it killed it. It killed a lot of, of people's way to make a living, you know. Somehow they find a way to, to you know, circumvent that, which is great. Well, you know, when you when you think, I mean, you know, the internet did take a big toll on on the music industry. When you go back to the '70s, when we were kids, you know, we would make up cassette tapes of albums, give it to our friends to listen to. If they liked it, they went out and bought that record. They didn't just keep that cassette that you made for them. But today, these kids feel like they're entitled to it for free. They're entitled to get it from somebody and not buy it again. And that's the sad part about it. And it's affected, like you said, you know, traditional radio. It's not there anymore. MTV is a thing of the past. A lot of the stuff that we grew up with that helped promote bands is pretty much gone today. Yep. I have to agree with you. And it's sad, you know, and there's no quick answer, easy fix. You know, nothing's easy about it. Yeah. Well, your fans are still there. They've always been there. The new record, I mean, it really harkens back, like you said, to the old days. But yet it's got a really new sound to it. Do you really worry about trying to please the fans, or do you just have to kind of write for yourself and knowing that they, the fans of you are going to go along for the ride? Yeah, that's the way I approach it. I don't sit there and try to write. I don't like listen to the radio for a couple of weeks trying to see what's current and go for that sound. I just write from my head. You know, you could be hearing a song that I may have conceptualized back, you know, 20 years before I recorded it, you know. So, you know, not that I like to go through old, old uh, ideas because usually uh, now that I'm, you know, more experienced with what I do and, and everything else, and way more handsome, <laughs> 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 way more, a lot, and a lot shorter, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun, man, you know. But I mean, yeah, it's, it's, you know, you, you have to take some of that with you. This is, it's inevitable, you know. Yeah. You're gonna, I mean, and I'm always going to sound like me, therefore, 
songs it's gonna end up sounding like Ray White and that's that's the thing I, I, you know I mean this is all with all you know the all humility I have a a voice that's very um very uh, um unique in a lot of ways you know yep. and it's identifiable where there's so many singers and like they proved that in the 80s you know Who's that? Oh, I see the so and so, so and so, so and so. I'm like, well, okay, I'll take it. Um, you know. <laughs> but it, it, it just got too generic, you know. And, and now, you know, the stuff they have now, I, I can't even listen to it. You know, it's just so. It's like, you know, building a box for a hamburger at Carl's Jr., you know. <laughs> Fold it out, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just two construction line, you know, and these bands, I hate, I would hate to do it, it would scare the hell out of me. Yeah. You know? Well, you know, every successful band has that one thing that defines them. I mean, whether it's like Randy Rhodes playing guitar for Ozzy, but in Grey White, it was always you and your voice, like you said. When you heard that, you knew who the band was, you knew who the song was, and you knew who was singing it. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, not a problem, not a problem. Well, what do you got planned for this year? I mean, 2017 is just getting started. You be planning to hit the road this yeah. year after the record comes out? Uh, oh, yeah, we're, we're definitely going to hit the road, you know. And, um, you know, we're doing as all as we can to get ready for it, you know. When you start rehearsals, um, everything else, you know, you just get a fucking shiny spit and polish, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah, I heard a while ago you were working on a book and you're going to be working on a documentary. Those two things still happening? Yep. Yep, um, I'm assuming, I'm, I was told it was coming out sometime this year. Oh, okay, great. Well, yeah. We, we, with the book, I mean, I mean, if you're, if you're bare bones and honest with everything, that's going to be some read. I'm telling you, because, I mean, people don't know even the tenth of, the, of my life. I mean, you know, maybe they heard I got arrested and, you know, I shot somebody when I was 18 and, you know, but there's so much more, and you know that in and of itself. You know, the whole shooting thing is is a, a incredible story, and and there's been a lot of times I've looked at my life and go, wow, that was definitely a divine intervention. You know, what I mean? yeah. There's yeah. no there's no way that could happen. I mean, you give me an example, and I'll just keep it brief. I'll tell you the whole story later. I I, I shot somebody in a drug robbery, and. I was blacked out on PCP, and the only reason we had the gun loaded was because when you point at something, you can see if it's loaded or not. If you don't see any bullets in the, the cylinders, you know, you, you know it's not loaded. So, um, that's why I, I kept it loaded. It's a 22 caliber, and there's a little revolver, you know. But, you know, 22s are really dangerous because if you see them in the head them, they won't go in and out. They'll just go in and start bouncing around, shredding, basically shredding the person's brain. Yeah. So I um, ended up shooting through this door because she was in there. And um, for somehow, I guess, I thought she had the coke. And I say, no, I'm on my parents' bed. And lay on my back, and my dad's going, this one's broken. We gotta get a new one. Call the factory. And my mom's like, "Yes, yeah, I'll call the factory. This one's definitely broken. I'm tired of this. Keep sending us models that don't work." And I'm going like, "Wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm not broken. I'm just high." <laughs> you know, but nothing was coming out except we're <laughs> like, "That's what I thought was going on for real." You know. Yeah. And then the cop, then the cop showed up. I thought, 
oh my God, they're here to take us. So we started, we, I mean, you know, um, I started running around the house and the cops chasing me and I ended up, you know, pissing myself, you know, I had white pants on, of course, you know, I pissing myself and, you know, so they took me out, out, out uh, to the police car and there was somebody else already in it, some of the criminal element. And, um, I, uh, you know, I just changed right away. When you start thinking back of some of these stories for your book and you're, and you're trying to remember, do you say to yourself, God damn, what the fuck was I involved in sometimes? Oh, yeah. I am going, I mean, God, what was I thinking, you know? What made that, what, what, what bell went off in me? That's not like a good idea. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. It's just really crazy. I mean, I got eight years in court. I thought as soon as I got off, I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to be out of eight years. Yeah. I'm never going to be a rock star now. I go, no, but I know I am. No, I'm supposed to be. I know I'm supposed to be. So I go, no, I just kept up with the you know, what, what, all this, what they call a secret. I mean, yeah. that's how I lived my life, you know what I mean? And by, you know, putting it out there and believing it's going to happen and making it happen. And, you know, and it did. A series of really strange things happened to, uh, and some rules were changed that had been in place for, you know, hundreds of years. And um, it, it's just really strange. I, I, you'll have to wait for the book because it's a long, long, long story. Yeah. Is the documentary the same as the book? Are you making a movie based on you? Or is it about just the band and uh, music in general? No, the documentary is, is about me and about my life and about, you know, um, the fire and... Uh, it's really cool. If they had to make a biopic with somebody playing you, who would you pick to play you? Um, Brad Pitt. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> with long hair. I know it looks nothing like me, but I like to think, you know. Uh, too much. Hey, well, Jack, I'm not going to keep you, man. I appreciate you talking to me today. He saw a comment at Kick-Ass Records. It's going to be a big year for you, and I'm happy. Thank you. I really appreciate that, and uh, I believe you're right. I, I, I have to, you know, keep my faith, you know, and um, I really do. And people like yourselves, you know, helping us out, you know, how can we lose? My pleasure, you know? Jack. My pleasure. All right, my brother. You take it easy, and uh, you keep the East Coast rock, and I'll do my best out here. You got it. I'll see you when you cross over to the other side. Sounds good. Take care, buddy. I'll, talk to you. I'll send you a copy of the single as soon as it comes out. I'll make one one sent to you. You got one it. Sent to you. All right, ma'am. Take, take care, Jack. Take care, my brother. All right.
All right, we had a little technical difficulty over there, but that was Great White, Jack Russell's Great White, Spy versus Spy. It's 8 o'clock already. Showtime. It's almost over. We'll do another tune or two, then we'll wrap it up here tonight. Don't forget to tune in next week with Overkill and United as our guest. We're going to kick off February in a nice way. Well, you know what? Jeff Nichols, a keyboard player for Black Sabbath and Quartz and quite a few other bands over the years, passed away yesterday. So how about we get on some Quartz? You know what? We'll close out with Quartz. But before that, we'll do some brand new Black Star Rider. It's a pretty good record, I have to say. You know what? I don't even think I have it on me. <laughs> How do you like that? I thought, I thought I uploaded the album, and we didn't. Did we? Let me see here. No, I'm sorry. Yes, we did. I apologize. We do have it on here, Black Star Riders. I just put it under the wrong name. Here you go. Backstreet Killer. Actually, that's Dark Star, not Black Star Riders. I guess we didn't get it this week. I thought, I thought it came in, and we uploaded it, but I guess not. So I guess we are going to close things out tonight with Quartz for Jeff Nichols, who passed away. I want to thank everybody. I want to thank our guests tonight, John and Greg from Intruder. And Jack Russell's from Jack Russell's Great White. That was a pretty cool interview, I have to say. All right, here you go, Quartz, walking the holy water. Take care, everybody. I'll see you next week.
Shopping at Acme Markets now earns you gas reward points to redeem at participating Sunoco stations. Shop and start earning today. Look for additional fuel savings on MyMix. Sign up at acmemarkets.com or download the Acme app today. Pick up fresh assorted pork chops, 99 cents a pound, limit two packages. And fresh strawberries, blueberries, blackberries, or raspberries are buy one, get one free, mix and match. Maximum gas reward at participating Sunoco stations is $1 per gallon in a single fill-up, up to 25 gallons. Other restrictions and exclusions apply. See complete details at acmemarkets.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.